Amen. Isn't that awesome? Thank you so much for being here today. And um, thank you for um, thanking our volunteers and for telling them thank you. Uh, my name is Caleb. I'm the Next Gen Pastor here. Pastor Josh is back next week. Okay, so don't miss next week. He's kicking off a brand new sermon series. But um, I want to say thank you for being with us on Valentine's Day. How many have big Valentine's Day plans for later? Spouses are looking to make sure you raise your hand. Okay, um, but uh, hopefully you have something going on uh, later. Or maybe, maybe you're like my wife and I and you pick a, a day before or a day after with it falling on a Sunday. But as a church, we wanted to t just take a special amount of time, a weekend, a day, and say we are thankful for and we love our volunteers. That's the sermon today. We're going to talk about what is it that we love about our volunteers? What is it that, that we've noticed and seen our volunteers live out on a regular basis? basis and, and how is it that we can apply that to our lives as believers? You see, the reality is this. We're gonna be in Mark chapter 10 today, Mark chapter 10. The reality is this, what God wants for every Christian, he had Jesus model for us in his life here on earth. So the life and work and ministry of Christ is our blueprint, our model as believers. And as we endeavor to live this out, what we've noticed in church ministry is that oftentimes it is exemplified in the lives of our volunteers. If you're a volunteer here with us, we believe you are following Jesus with your heart and that your passion is a pursuit of the gospel. But it's not just true or applicable for our volunteers. It's really true and applicable for every person in this room that God has called us to serve others in some capacity. So we're gonna spend today thanking our volunteers, showing you the values that they hold in their life, why they do what they do, and then a, a very small amount of time saying, how can I make sure I'm doing this in my life as well to my neighbor, to someone God puts in my path? Really, we could sum it up this way. To our volunteers, for all you've done, for all you do, Thank you for making this place possible. We love you. Can we tell them one more time, thank you? Thank you for making this place possible. We mean that. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts. Um, now, I know your hands are sore from clapping all that stuff, so I won't have you clap at all throughout the rest of the sermon. Uh, but we wanted to say thank you one more time, and we can't say it enough. Um, thank you. And I, I believe Pastor Jason already told you there's some uh, refreshments and just small thank you over here at the, the coffee shop. If you're a volunteer, please, if you've served in a ministry in any capacity at any time, uh, avail yourself to that. We want to say thank you so much for all you've done. Mark chapter 10 is where we're at today. Mark chapter 10, and this is the heart and the springboard for any volunteer who serves in ministry. It's the model of Jesus. Mark chapter 10 is where we're at. The Bible says this, for even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. What an awesome attitude and spirit of Christ that he did not come to be served, but to serve. I've got three simple points um, for you. We were talking and planning and thinking about, man, how can we let our volunteers know that they're loved and appreciated, all those who serve? And the number one resounding thought was, we can make the service really short <laughs> so that you guys can have your day and enjoy that. And we joke about that, but really we've got three simple thoughts from this passage, Mark chapter 10, for even the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve. The heartbeat of the volunteers of Southern Hills is this, our volunteers serve. 
It's not just a position. It's not just a place. You're not just a warm body that's sitting at a door. You are someone who's serving the body of Christ. I think about um, what the, the example Jesus gave us, Mark chapter 10, where he says he didn't come to serve, uh, to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. One of the most special times for me, just, just as a believer, is when we gather around what we call the Lord's table, what we just had, or communion. And you just get a moment to reflect on the goodness of God. And boy, when you start thinking about Jesus has forgiven me for all my sin, he's paid for my debt penalty, I have a relationship with him, man, your heart just begins to swell with that truth that Jesus has served you. And then you think, how can I do this? How can I take the mind of Christ? That's exactly what Philippians chapter two says. Philippians chapter two is the mind of Christ, or it's known as the kenosis passage. In other words, this, this is the mindset of Christ that we're to be formed and molded and made into. And our volunteers exemplify this, but really it's a call to every Christian. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, did not consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, taking the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men and being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death of the cross. What a powerful example and, and reality that we live in now as believers. And for all the volunteers at Southern Hills, what we see them live out in their life is this truth exactly, that they understand I am here to serve and to serve others because Christ has served me. Uh, during one of the world wars, there was a uh, church in uh, Strasbourg, France that was destroyed. Uh, and nothing remained of it except a heap of rubble and broken glass and uh, or so the people thought. And they began to kind of dig through that as the war ended and the a uh, huge rebuilding effort began and they began to dig through this, the, the broken piece of this church, trying to, to rebuild and, and find things that maybe they could salvage. And uh, sure enough, they pulled things away and began to rebuild it and do all that stuff. And they found in this church that had been just bombed and destroyed and all these things, they found a statue of Christ. The only thing that had been left intact, except for the fact that the hands had been broken off as the collapse happened. And so they put it back up and, and again, began to fix things and do all that stuff. And a local artist came by and said, you know, I, I'd really like to volunteer my services. I, I'd like to help you out. I, I know that uh, you guys are trying to rebuild and there's uh, incredible and exorbitant cost in trying to do that. So let me know how I, can, how I can help you do that. I can repair this piece of art for you if you'd like for me to. And the church leaders got together and met and they talked about it and prayed about it. And then they decided, here's all we want you to do. We, we want you to take the task. We want you to repair this. He said, great, I'd be glad to do it. Tell me what you're looking for. I can repair this. And he began to give them his advice. And they said, here's all we want you to do. Underneath, we want you to put an, an inscription on this. We want you to put the inscription that he, Jesus, has no hands but our hands. And leave the broken hands off to remind everyone who comes this way that the only expression of Christ they will see in their life is the hands and feet of the believers who serve them. What a powerful truth and reminder based upon a scriptural principle that what do our volunteers do every time they come to Sunday? They serve others with the hands of Jesus. 
They volunteer their hands to other people and say, how can I serve you? How can I hand something to you? How can I wipe something down? How can I open a door for you? And in essence, what they're doing is saying, I am the hands of Christ in your life. How can I be of service? How can I serve you? The volunteers of Southern Hills understand and apply that. I love this truth. Our volunteers are not led by manipulation, but by inspiration. We don't have this like special, um, you know, club that we're like, hey, if you want to be a volunteer at Southern Southern Hills, here's what your mansion in heaven will look like one day. And if you volunteer in this ministry, this is how many additions you'll get onto your mansion. And we'll send up some building plans up, up above and tell God, hey, do this for them. And no, we don't do any of that. Our volunteers know, hey, I'm here for Jesus. I'm here because I'm here to serve. They're led by the inspiration. We, several, we celebrated several of our ministries already. I, I work in our next gen uh, department and, and I get to serve alongside um, so many wonderful volunteers. Some, some of our are sitting right here, the Godinius family sitting right here. And um, we had a winter retreat uh, not too long ago. And uh, we took our teens to, to Newberry Springs, California, Ironwood Christian Camp. And so many wonderful volunteers and church members said, hey, I, I wanna help. How can I sponsor a kid? And we got to our leader meeting right before we left and we had a, a volunteer uh, or one of our youth leaders say, hey, um, I have another teenager, Pastor Gabe, who really wants to go. Do we have any of those scholarships left? I said, man, everything that's come in, we've already applied. We've got students that are going. I think at that time we had right at $1,000 that had come in. So we had 10 students who are being sponsored and sent to camp. Uh, they couldn't uh, do it financially, but we had faithful volunteers who stepped up and did that church members who stepped up and did that. And we're in this meeting and I said, hey, let, let's do this. Let's pray that God provides. And one of our, our youth leaders, um, Jeffrey and his wife, Nydia uh, Garland, if y'all know them, pray for me because I have to serve with them. Um, so I know, you know, it's a struggle. No, but Jeffrey interrupted me and said, hey, Pastor, we don't have to pray about this thing. We'll, we'll cover it. We'll take care. We'll sponsor that teenager to go to summer camp or to go to winter camp. And a lot of times what happens with our volunteers is not only do they give of their time and their effort, but over and over again, I see volunteers who sacrifice financially and give to things faithfully and say, hey, we'll provide for that. We'll take care of that in our next gen ministry. I think about in our Inspire Ladies ministry. I think about um, in our Yoked Men's ministry. So many times that volunteers step up to the plate and say, hey, I will serve. I will be the hands and the feet of Jesus. I'm so thankful for all the ways our volunteers are serving. And this is not a sign up today Sunday at all. This is a thank you for serving. But I think as believers, as Christians, it's okay to stop and ask ourselves, how does this scripture apply to me? And I think it's okay to ask ourselves, hey, how, how am I serving? Who am I serving? How have I reached out to my neighbor or that person at the grocery store that I see on a regular basis or, or that person in uh, Starbucks that I recognize or whoever it is? How am I serving? I'm so thankful for the spirit of our volunteers as they say, We love our volunteers, why? Because our volunteers serve, number one. But we also love our volunteers, not just because they show up to serve, but, but because they also serve or work from an overflow. Why do we love our volunteers? What, what, what? epitomizes our volunteers here at Southern Hills. How can we say this is who they are? Our volunteers show up to serve, but our volunteers work from an overflow. Any volunteers that's been doing it for a while realizes one thing. There are some days where you show up tired, (laughs) where you show up drained, where you're not going there because you think you have all this extra time and you're gonna show up because you're like, yeah, I don't have anything better to do in my life. No, you show up because you're there to serve others and you show up, watch this, because you have an overflow of grace that you've received from God 
and you want to pour out into other people's lives. I think about what Ephesians 2 says, for by grace are you saved through faith, it's not of yourselves, it's the gift of God. A volunteer understands salvation is a free gift. I don't work for it, I don't earn it, but it's been given to me. And when you receive that gift, you realize not, there isn't just enough grace to save me, but there's enough grace to go around. I've now got the grace to give to others in their moment of need. And maybe that serving looks like showing up on Sunday. Maybe that serving looks like extending that forgiveness that God has so freely given to you to someone else. You could say it this way, God work or volunteering God work is an overflow of God worship. You see what our volunteers know and understand why we love them is because they work from an overflow. And when we fail to serve out of an overflow of worship, we'll oftentimes get caught up in the undertow of work. <laughs> you know what I mean? We'll just get sucked in and pulled in and then everything's a, a drain and dreary. So I'm so thankful today, this Sunday, for our volunteers who say, hey, I'm here because it's overflow. God's been good to me. and I wanna be good to someone else. I wanna serve someone else. When I first came on staff three years ago, one of the areas we're seeing a lot of growth in was our children's ministry. And specifically, we had a midweek program that we called Awana at that time. Now it's changed a little bit with COVID protocols and all that stuff. And Awana is basically a take at home thing. And, and we can offer that to you as parents if you're still interested in that. But our main emphasis now is our Kidopolis ministry on Sunday mornings. But our, our Awana program was growing and it was growing out of a Wednesday night. We grew out of all of our classrooms up here. And so we're adding a Tuesday night option. And so they're like, hey, make the new guy do it. <laughs> so I was up here on Tuesday nights and I began to meet some of our volunteers. And it was one of the best places for me to start serving alongside of you guys because God began to introduce in my life people like Greg and Kathy Wells. Now, if you don't know Greg and Kathy, I don't know how you can miss Greg. Greg's about 6'6", and his height is a reflection of his personality. You know what I mean? Like if you see, if Greg sees you anywhere, he's coming for you. You know what I mean? Like, hey, you know what I mean? He's coming after you. He wants to say hello. Man, I began to meet Greg and watch he and Kathy serve from an overflow of how good God's been to them. I began to find out some of their story and some of their uh, uh, testimony, how God had worked through his grace to bring them together and then uh, to help them serve in our ministries. And that's why almost a year ago, when most people would take a step back and say, you know what, Pastor Kip, we're gonna take a break right now. I, I don't think we're there to be able to serve because Greg was diagnosed with leukemia. Instead, Kathy said, hey, I still wanna show up and serve. And Greg said, you know what, as soon as I can, I'll be back. They were just here at the 8.30 service, ready to apply themselves. Miss Kathy right now is up in our Kidopolis program serving those children, teaching those children in our small group. Why? Because for them, it's an overflow. For them, it's God has been so good to me that even though we're going through this, this leukemia and these cancer treatments and all this stuff, I, I still wanna be able to overflow God's goodness into the lives of someone else, into the life and, and testimony and story of someone else. They don't serve because uh, there's a special payment program or because there's anything special. No, they serve, number one, they volunteer because they are here to serve. Number two, they volunteer because for them, the work of the ministry is an overflow. I think about what uh, 1 Peter 4.10 says, as each one has received a gift, minister it to one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. 
I think about those who have received the gift of music and they, they serve on our worship team. And I'm so thankful that you do because there are those of us that don't have the gift of music and you don't wanna hear us on the worship team, <laughs> okay? So I'm thankful for you. And there, there are those that are gifted in the area of teaching and connecting with our kids or gifted in the area of serving or welcoming. I, I think about Gary Amick who just uh, did a video up there. If you don't know Gary, how many of you were scared when he said, I'm gonna talk for 20 to 30 minutes? I, I was like, what are you talking about? But those of you who knew Gary were like, ah, this guy, this guy. You know what I mean? You knew he was gonna mess around. You knew he was gonna joke. Why? Because that's Gary. He helps lead our hospitality department. He helps lead our greeters. Why? And, and all those who serve welcoming people in. Why? Because that's who he is. That's the gift God has given him. I'm so thankful for our people that allow the grace of God to overflow in their life. There's an old gospel song that said, I'm drinking from my saucer because my cup has overflowed, right? And that's our, that's our people who serve. They're, they're saying, man, I've got the, so much of the goodness of God. I'm overflowing into the life of someone else. But not only do we love them because they serve, not only do we love them because they work from an overflow, but lastly, we love our volunteers because our volunteers keep their eyes on Jesus. You wanna know what sums up the Christian life? You wanna know what sums up the life of a volunteer? It's not that you always get applauded and you always get patted on the back and told, man, good job being in church and good job making a decision for Jesus and good job showing up. No, no, no. What separates the Christian who's serving and ministering and following from those who may soon fall away from the faith is that they keep their eyes on Jesus. They don't do it for anyone or for anything other than Jesus. Bill Glass was a, a famous football player several decades ago and uh, upstanding Christian as well. He played for the Cleveland Browns. Um, now he has a ministry to go behind uh, prison walls and, and help introduce the gospel um, to those people whose bodies are incarcerated but whose souls can be free, amen? And uh, Bill Glass was, was a, a famous football player. He played for the Cleveland Browns and um, there were just a couple minutes left in a championship game. It was coming down to the wire and the Browns had the ball and they called a huddle. They called the huddle and they got together and Bill Glass was there on the O-line and, and uh, they, they got around the huddle and the play was called and the play was a quarterback sneak into the end zone. And in order for that to happen, Bill Glass was gonna have to knock a hole big enough for that quarterback to be able to make it through. And Bill Glass looked over there at the uh, opposing team, the defense, and saw two of the biggest guys centered down there on the line where Bill was gonna try and knock that hole. And man, he thought to himself, he tells the story, he thought to himself, I have no idea how this is gonna happen. <laughs> I need a miracle from God. <laughs> and he got down there on the O-line and it had been cold that, that day entirely. And so the grass was, was a little bit, almost frostbitten, a little bit slick, if you will. And sure enough, the, the ball was uh, hiked and uh, Bill Glass went forward and man, the uh, hit of uh, shoulder pads and uh, bodies could be heard. And he slammed into that guy right in front of him. One, one of the biggest guys in the NFL, hit him as hard as he could and just managed to knock him off balance just a little bit, enough to where he took out the guy right beside him and that, that hole was created for that quarterback, but not enough to push him back to where he wasn't touched. And that big old guy grabbed Bill Glass and pulled him under them and the entire pile came down on top of him, but not before the quarterback could make it through to the end zone. 
and the score was made, the championship was won, and they're piled there on top of Bill. He can't see, he don't know what's going on, and he comes up, and he's got the, the turf, the, the sod in his, in his um, helmet, and he comes up, and he's looking around, and he pulls it out, and he looks around, and the stadium is cheering, and they've hoisted the quarterback onto their shoulders, whose jersey is as clean as it was when he showed up, and they're carrying him off the field like, yeah, we won, this is awesome. And the entire team is going over and Bill's looking around like, I did it, I'm the one that knocked the hole. And he looks around and all the crowds are chanting the quarterback's name, man, this is awesome, we win, we win, we win. And Bill looks around and his gaze follows the crowd until it lands on the sideline where the coach is. And the coach is not looking at the quarterback or the crowd, the coach is looking at Bill. And the coach looks at Bill and gives him the good job sign. I see you, Bill. Good job. You did it. And in that moment, Bill knows it doesn't matter what the crowd thinks or sees. It doesn't matter that the quarterback is being celebrated. The coach knows that I did what I was supposed to do for this play to work. I think about the dozens of volunteers all across this room who every Sunday you show up and you get sawed in your helmet and you get buried under the pile of Kidopolis kids and you serve and you're faithful or throughout the week, man, it's, it's been an extra hours week and you've pulled those late nights and you show up at church and nobody knows and you take a deep breath and a big old swig of coffee and a little bit of Jesus and you come here and you serve and you make it possible so at the end of the service, people can walk away and be like, oh man, Pastor Josh, we love him, and Pastor Caleb, we love him. And the reality is we know none of this could happen if it were not for you. And the awesome thing about volunteers is no volunteer asked for a we love our volunteers Sunday. No volunteer said, hey, we, we could use a little bit of appreciation. <laughs> That's not who volunteers are. But we know as pastors and we know as leaders and we know as Christians that you do it to keep your eyes on Jesus. You show up and you invest and, and you're here to serve and to work from an overflow because one day you'll step into the glories of heaven and you'll look at your heavenly coach and father and he'll look you in the eyes and say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Enter now into the joy of your Lord. And you'll never have to greet at a church a day again in your life. <laughs> and you'll never have to work a kid's class a day again in your life. But watch this. You know why you're doing it. You're doing it for Jesus. And today, I want you to know that we know why you're doing it. And we wanna say thank you and we love you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for tonight. We can thank them. Yeah, go ahead. Heavenly Father, thank you for this morning. I thank you for the spirit that's in this place. Lord, it's your people and it's your place. And God, it would not be possible if it were not for our volunteers. And Lord, we love them. Father, we hope this morning that in a very, in a small way, they would know that every time they sign up for that downtown nursery schedule, they're doing it for you. And every time they show up for that small group, and every time they hold a door open or wipe a surface clean, God, we know that you know and that you see them. And God, the prayer 
and the heartbeat of every Christian in this room is that one day we'll step into your presence, the King of kings and Lord of lords, and we'll hear those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. God, I thank you for the servants in this room that you've allowed us to work with and minister besides. I pray that they would know beyond a shadow of a doubt they are loved supremely by you, but also practically, Lord, by us. We love them. Bless them. Open up the windows of heaven and pour them out a blessing, Lord, on, on their family, on their relationships, on their finances. God, wherever they have a need, I pray that you would tell them in a very real way that you love them and that we love them. We ask these things in your name. Amen.